Hi everybody. We had some technical difficulties recording this teaching, so I'm reteaching it um, from our studio. <laughs> Just kidding, from the basement. And uh, so, um, but I thought it was important that we had this recorded. If you've been following along in the series, and maybe you couldn't uh, make church, um, so that's where we're going to jump into this. And I hope that this series has been super helpful for you. Um, we've been going through kind of um, a progress here of talking about course correction, kind of bouncing off of the analogy that James uses in his book, um, where he talks about how the tongue is the small part of the body, but it can make huge uh, decisions and boasts, and it can really change the course or the direction of your life, similar to how a rudder is small, but it can change the course or the direction of a ship. And so we've been talking about how you know, it's imperative that we start thinking about and paying attention to the words we say, because they really do. They affect our relationships, and our, our relationships really dictate our life. It's at, at work, at, at home, you know, with family, <clears throat> with friends. So we've been spending some time thinking about our words. And, <clears throat> sorry, the, you know, we've been going through three or four different ways that we can practically start to change the direction. If you find yourself, you know, yes, like I could grow in this area. The words are something I struggle with. So the first thing that we talked about was being quick to listen and slow to speak and understanding, you know, seeking to understand before we seek to be understood. So starting to think about what we are listening to and how we're listening is, is the first step. The second step we talked about, not only is it important to be quick to listen, but it doesn't say don't speak, it just says be slow to speak. And part of the reason is that rotten words spoil relationships. And we talked in the second week about how rotten words um, are like giving someone rotted fruit, that the Greek word there for, uh, for un let no unwholesome word come out of your mouth is actually rotted, putrefied, disgusting, and that when we gossip or slander or complain or curse, you know, or so on and so forth, that those are actually disgusting things that we're giving to other people. Those are like our gifts of rotten fruit to our friends and family and loved ones and coworkers. And so we talked about that. So in this week three, I want to, I want to talk about kind of another, another level, another um, practical thing that we can do to work on our words. And before I do that, I want to just give you an analogy from my life. So I have um, struggled for a number of years with back and neck and shoulder pain. And um, this one particular thing uh, a few years ago started to creep up my shoulder into my neck um, and eventually got to where I couldn't go a full day of work sitting at my desk um, without having a really bad headache and neck pain. And so this was something that was really you know, painful for me. And so I tried to treat the symptom, right? I took uh, ibuprofen, I used heating pads, I would go um, to massage occasionally or just like have my kids massage it. Um, so I did a lot of different stuff to try to alleviate the pain, but um, I never dealt with like, what's the deeper cause? What's the root here? So eventually I finally broke down and went and saw a doctor. And then, you know, one of the reasons I had avoided this is I knew what would happen. Once I started looking at the actual problem, it meant a lot more time, a lot more effort and more pain. I had to see a bunch of doctors, get a bunch of tests. I had to do months of physical therapy, which is really painful. It's not convenient. I had to get some shots. And that's, I think, a great analogy for what we tend to do in life. We have these symptoms. Like, let's talk about words, for instance. If you're someone who's like, yes, sometimes I say things I regret. Sometimes I lash out in anger or I find myself complaining. You know, I think it's easy to just think, okay, well, Christian's giving us some tools to work on the external 
and let's let's try to stop it. And see, what God is looking for is not just better disciplined followers, but he's looking for transformed followers. He wants to not just get us to watch our works. He wants us to be transformed from the inside out. But that requires work, right? And so, like, have you ever felt like, man, you say something or you lash out and you're like, I have no idea where that came from. Or... I just tend to gossip and I don't know why. And I'm trying, Christian, I'm trying so hard, but it just is so difficult to stop, you know, or I just, you know, am so easily angered or um, I just complain that just negativity just comes to me. It's just who I am. You know, you kind of own it. Like that's just who I am. It runs in my family. It's what I've always been. You know, that's frustrating and we can get stuck in our patterns, but that's not the best that God has for us. So I want to ask you, like, do you feel like you would like more freedom from that stuff? And and I think you would. Let's be honest. We've all been there and we all want help. And so that's why this verse that Jesus says in the book of Luke is profound. So this is Luke 6, 43 to 45. He says, a good tree can't produce bad fruit and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. A tree is identified by its fruit. Figs are never gathered from thorn bushes and grapes are not picked from bramble bushes. Okay, so he's using this analogy to set up this. uh, He's going to hit the home run here. So just like that's true in nature, also a good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. So just hold on to that thought. A good person produces good things from the treasury. Think about a treasury. It's a place that you spend time storing up treasure. So what are we storing up in our hearts? And an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. So, and he ends with this. Here's the uh, here's the pater right here. What you say flows from what is in your heart. What you say flows from what is in your heart. So when we ask that question, like, I have no idea where that came from. I don't know how that, it came from you. <laughs> that, that's the answer. It came from inside of you. It came from your heart. It came from who you are on some level. And I know, like, you know, we, we want to have positive thinking and think good about ourselves. But like, that's true. But at the same time, when we are ang- when we lash out in anger, we're negative, we complain, we're mean, we're divisive, destructive, belittling, arrogant, deceptive, all of those kinds of speech, those are red flags. They're like a warning light on the dashboard of your car. Something is broken in your heart. Something is broken. What you say flows from what is in your heart. And so then the question remains, well, how do I change my heart then? And this is what I want to just look at here. Um, And I'm going to use a really, really cheesy analogy here. And I just hope you can roll with me. Just like you would work on your heart um, in the physical sense, we're going to talk about three ways to, to transform your heart, to heal your heart, to change your heart. Number one is working out. Two, eating well. And three, getting getting regular checkups or getting what is broken fixed, getting healing where you're hurting. So number one, work out. This is a great verse in Philippians 2, 12 to 13. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, listen here, continue to work out your salvation. Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. See, this is profound. You're not, the goal of Jesus's mission wasn't and isn't that we just get saved, quote unquote, that we believe these right things and we get into heaven. Remember last week we read that quote from John Ortberg. He said, it's not so much about getting you into heaven. It's about getting heaven 
into you. This is what this is talking about. It's not saying continue to do good works in hopes that you will be saved eternally. You know, he's assuming you've already made that declaration with your life that you're a follower of Jesus. And he's saying, continue to work out your salvation. Continue to work on it to let it change you. What we're talking about here is spiritual formation. Allowing God, listen, to work in you, to will and to act. Allowing God to to change your desires, to change your will, and to change your behavior. Saying, God, I am here. I am broken. I'm a broken vessel. I'm a sinner saved by grace. And I accept and need your help, your conviction, your grace, your strength, your comfort, your mercy to help me change. And this is an emphasis that I want to continue to make that we are on a spiritual journey and and God is not just interested in getting people into heaven. He's interested in watching us and helping us grow to become more like him. See, he said he, uh, he came to give us life abundantly. He came, he, what he wants for us is this inner transformation that Jesus gets into us. His Holy Spirit fills us and our, our, who we are comes alive with the power and word of God. See, who you really are, who you're meant to be, and there's a lot of talk in popular culture about your true self. That true self is truly found when you find yourself in Jesus, not when you pursue your own ideas or your selfish gain or your vain pursuits or what you want in life, but when you surrender to the will of a loving God who's got a better plan for your life and you will come alive like never before. Can I get an amen? <laughs> I'm alone in the basement. Sorry, I just thought that was funny. Okay. So here's the thing, like we tend to do this in crisis, don't we? We tend to look at our hearts and pay attention to our hearts in crisis. But when life's just rolling, we don't do that. We don't love to make time to listen to our feelings, our fears, and our dreams. We don't love to take time to ask the question, why? And that's what spiritual formation is doing. It's a part of saying, I acted this way. Why? I said these words. Why? I I said this in this moment. Why? Let me just tell you a story from my life. So, um... I've noticed over the years, and and God's been working on this in me for about five years, I've noticed that there are times I get into conversations and and I am not completely honest because in order to be completely honest, I would create conflict or, or, you know what I mean? Like have to defend my position or maybe disappoint somebody. And so what I do instead is I placate and I, and I just kind of like, I will even say like, like not even hold truth because I'm just like trying to keep the peace. And I, and one of the things about me is I do like being a peacemaker. I think that can be a good thing, but it can also be a bad thing. And as I spent some time saying, this is a, this is like trace the fruit of the tree to the root of the tree. Like Jesus was talking about a good tree produces good fruit, a bad tree produces bad fruit. So what this, this desire, this, you know, me not being honest, me kind of being deceptive, me saying half truths, trace it down into my heart. What's broken in my heart and what's broken in my heart is I'm so afraid of conflict and I'm so addicted to pleasing people that I can't be myself in front of people. And that is just a broken part of me that needs to find my identity in Jesus and not in what others think and say about me. And that's a work that God's been doing in me. Okay. I love, I like this quote from Peter Scazzaro in the Emotionally Healthy Spirituality book. He says this, the pressure to present an image of ourselves as strong and spiritually together hovers over most of us. We feel guilty for not measuring up, for not making the grade. We forget that none of us is perfect and that we are all sinners. 
The Bible does not spin the flaws and weaknesses of its heroes. Listen to this list, okay? Moses was a murderer. Hosea's wife was a prostitute. Peter rebuked God. Noah got drunk. Jonah was a racist. Jacob was a liar. John Mark deserted Paul. Elijah burned out. Jeremiah was depressed and suicidal. Thomas doubted. Moses had a temper. And Timothy had ulcers. (laughs) All these people send the same message. That in every human being on earth, regardless of their gifts and strengths, we are weak, vulnerable, and dependent on God and others. So, don't be afraid of looking at the why, okay? And doing the work. Work out your salvation. Work it out. Don't be afraid of working out. So, number one, working out. Number two, eating well. Listen, what goes in must come out. We know this to be true about all other systems in the world. If you put the wrong kind of gas in your car, if you put the wrong kind of oil in your in your lawnmower, you know, if you eat the wrong kind of food for a length of time, you're going to feel it. Like what goes in affects you. So I'm asking you, what are you feeding your heart? Because listen, what you say, Jesus says, what you say flows from what is in your heart. So what are you feeding your heart? Right? Broken hearts produce broken words, but healthy hearts produce healing words. So we want to find health in our heart. Maybe you're feeding your heart busyness. Have you ever noticed that if you are really busy and you're just from one thing to the next to the next, and you're always behind and you're always stressed, what kind of words do you speak then? You speak hurried words. You speak tense words. You speak stressful words. What about, are you mulling over darkness? Are you meditating on negativity? Are you constantly pondering the worst? Philippians 4 tells us to meditate on what is true and noble and right and beautiful and lovely, not on what is bitter and anger and comparison to other people and judgmental and self-righteous. What about the company you keep? Sometimes you can't afford, you can't affect the company you keep. I understand that. Sometimes in workplaces, it is what it is, and you have to be a light in that situation. But sometimes you can surround yourself with bad company. And First Corinthians says, "Bad company corrupts good character." So, what are you feeding yourself? Let me let me just tell you a story. I'm not putting this on you. I'm not saying like I'm better than anybody. But this, for me, recently, I've been really working on silence and solitude as a spiritual practice to help me help me communicate and connect with God and to feed my heart. And so recently I was driving and I just like couldn't think of a good podcast or teaching to listen to. I didn't really want to listen to any music. And so I just decided, I felt like a a nudge from the Holy Spirit. Just why don't you just be quiet? So I had like a 15, 20 minute trip where I was just quiet. And then as I drove, I felt like the Lord bringing to my mind Psalm 1. So I listened to it on my Bible app a couple of times and it talks about being Trees that are planted by streams of water whose fruit, um, who bears fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. And I just thought that is who I want to be. That's the kind of person I want to be. And I meditated on that and prayed about it and thought about it in silence the whole way home. I fed my heart. That gave me sustenance. So those are the kind of things, what spiritual practices that you can do, not only for spiritual formation, but for eating well, for feeding your heart. And the third one would be, so working out, feeding, eating well, Regular checkups, a commitment to fixing what's broken in your life. This takes work and effort. It takes awareness and courage. But God says that he heals the brokenhearted. Listen, I know that this is sensitive. This is painful. Some of these wounds are real and deep. They've been around for 20, 30 years. I have patterns in my life that I've sought counseling for and that I walk in awareness of and I don't always walk in victory of. There's a pattern, there's a pattern that passed down in my, in one side of my family of anger of like, when you sense a lack or loss of control in a situation, you use anger to regain control. And I've been working on that and continue to work on it. And it is a, it is not, um, 
It's not who I want to be. It's not who God calls me to be. David prayed, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit in me. So are you willing to get prayer, to get counseling, to seek the advice and of friends that you trust? God wants to heal you, even from these deep, deep wounds. You don't have to repeat the mistakes of your past. You don't have to repeat the patterns of your parents. God has freedom for you. Broken hearts make broken words, which make broken hearts in other people. Let's stop the cycle by changing our hearts. Let's stop the cycle by working out our spiritual formation, by eating well and putting in good so that out of the treasury of good, good words can come out. Let's do regular checkups, a commitment to fixing what is broken. Will you accept this invitation of Jesus to do this work in your life, this deep work in your life? He has an, a, an adventure of wholeness and healing just waiting for you to say yes to. Would you let him in to work in your heart? I hope you will. Listen, um, really care about you. I hope that you that this is inspiring and strengthening for you. Looking forward to closing out next week. Christine Robinson is going to be teaching on how our words can be strengthened, um, strengthening to other people. We can build other people up just the sheer power of our words. So don't miss it. You're not going to want to miss it. See you next week.